0: Well, good morning, everyone. It is good to see you. We've had a couple of sunshiny days. It's been very nice outside, so let's stand up together. Um, Turn around and yell at somebody and tell them that you're happy to be here. Make it somebody that you don't know this week. Find somebody you don't know and tell them that you're happy to see them.
1: Here it go, i got to come down, come down, my prison turns to ruin, when you're Father the lies the truth. Holdin' my peers like Jericho. I was gonna come down, come down.
0: Guys, have a seat.
2: Good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. Is the sun nice? I was going to say after that last two weeks before this, it was uh, it was getting kind of iffy, you know. I mean, moving snow and stuff. But most of the snow piles have melted. If you want to see the only snow mountain left in Boone County, you have to go to the mall. But I warn you that it's kind of disappointing because it's all dirt so that's it's all melting away but the sun is beautiful this morning as i was driving i was thinking to myself what a wonderful god we serve because even through the coldest days we know that he's going to brighten our days and he's done it over this last week and we just celebrate the victory today that's coming up for the easter season if you're a guest today we just want to take a moment and welcome you and tell you how great it is just to have you join us for worship today. whether you're online or you're in the house or it's just that warm feeling knowing that we're worshiping the same uh, Heavenly Father today in the way that we uh, come together and we're just so excited for the days ahead and the warmth and the fact that we'll be getting a little bit closer together and more more people continually come back because uh, we seem to be working through the COVID process but um, as we celebrate those things, I just wanted to let you know that if you are here in the house um, and you have any questions and you're a guest today, don't hesitate to let us know. We have wonderful people in the foyer, our welcome team. They can point you in the right direction for anything you need. If you're at home and you're watching, um, thank you, first of all, for joining with us. And if you have a prayer request or any kind of a need, just put that in the comments section and let us know what that is so we can be praying for you and making sure that we can do whatever we can for a need you might have. Uh, Just a couple of things in the way of announcements is exciting this week, because our children's program comes back online. Uh, For the next several weeks, we're going to be doing Kids Rock. They're going to meet from seven to eight, and they're gonna be meeting over in the activity center allows us to have a little bit more room to spread everybody out, but we know there's a lot of excitement that's coming out about that. We encourage you, if you have uh, children in that Kids Rock in the children's area, uh, make sure that you're a part of that. We'll take all the precautions we can to make sure everybody's safe and distance. but um, just with the kids going back to school and everything coming back, we just know that uh, they're excited about it. We've had so many kids that have told us that they're excited for this upcoming week, so make sure that you're a part of that second announcement that i have is this that pastoral care is making a special um, project for the spring they did last year and they choose some of the boone county employees and this year it's our boone county jailers and we like to do something for our county employees especially since they've been working through the pandemic and all the crisis stuff over the last year we just want to recognize them for their service and a lot of times the boone county jailers they kind of get lost in the wash of the sheriff's department and everything else so we want to lift them up and encourage them and what you can do to participate on, in it is if you want to uh, give just a little bit of money you can designate that towards the boone county jailers for the pastoral care you can give that through the office you can give it online um, but don't hesitate to be a part of that because it's a wonderful ministry and it's a way for us just to support and appreciate the people that work for us in our county So pray about that, and if you feel led to give, make sure that you are a part of that. As we get ready for worship today, again, we welcome everybody, but we're just going to ask that you join with me for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. And Father, the warmth of the sun and the beauty of the, the world around us as it reveals itself to us this morning, we just thank you because it reminds us that you are always there, Father. And even on our coldest days, and through the troubles and the things that we have to go through in our lives, we don't go through them alone. And Father, we probably can't uh, just imagine trying to get through any of those things without knowing that you stand with us and hold us tight. And Father, today as we gather in this place to worship, we lift up our voices in song as a praise to you, thanking you for being the mighty one. And Father, also in this time, we come to hear you speak to us through your Spirit. And we just ask that you bless the words that Harold's going to bring to us today. Allow those words to penetrate our heart. Let your Holy Spirit move us in a mighty way. And let us go out of this place today with a new purpose. That purpose is to share your love with everyone we come in contact with. Father. In this special season as we move towards easter we're most thankful for the provision that you made through your son jesus christ that we can find eternal life by believing in him and trusting in you so in this time father we just ask for your presence we pray all these things in the precious and the mighty name of jesus christ our lord and savior amen i'm going to ask miss Allie to come and she's going to be sharing our scripture for today
3: 1 Corinthians 1214
4: through 20 even so the body is not made up of one part but of many now if the foot should say because I am NOT a hand I do not belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being part of the body and if the ear should say because I am NOT an eye I do not belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being part of the body if the whole body were an eye where would the sense of hearing be if the whole body were an ear where would the sense of smell be But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body.
0: Amen. You can just stand back up with us this morning as we sing another song.
1: day is a sign that you are with me. The fire by night is the guide and light to my feet. You found me. You freed me. Held back the waters so for my release. Oh, yeah. You're the God who fights for me. Lord of into the promised land. And now Now I will will not forget you, God. I'll sing of all you've done. Death is swallowed up forever by the fury of your love. For you stepped into my Egypt and you took me by the hand. And you marched me out in freedom into the promised land. And now I will not forget you, God. I'll sing of all you've done, death is swallowed up forever, on the pure
0: So, um, I just thought about uh, this song a lot this week. They played this song uh, at my ordination ceremony, and I got to thinking about um, just kind of the meaning behind the song. Um, the verse about when, when you accept Christ, uh, you're made new. And uh, none of us are who we used to be, um, and hopefully uh, for the better. <laughs> but uh, and when you accept Jesus, um, he makes you new, and it is better. So, there's a song about that.
1: Show you Figured out I can sing, and now I'm I'm not who I was. Write about love and such, maybe because I wanted so much, but I'm I'm not not who who I was. I was thinking maybe I should let you know that I am not the same, but I never did forget your name. I wish that you could see me now. I wish that I could show you how.
4: And I hope somebody experiences that this morning, that God will make you new, and it's good to see you. I'm in Matthew chapter 12 this morning. We're in a series called Turning Our Eyes Upon Jesus. And uh, last week we looked at Jesus as our coming bridegroom. Uh, From Revelation, this morning we're going to talk about Jesus as the greatest prophet. The greatest prophet. I I did hear about a preacher. He he decided that he was going to preach through all the, the minor prophets in one sermon. Uh, there's 12 of them guys, and uh, after a couple of hours, he was halfway through, and the people were, they already stopped paying attention, and uh, finally, he said, uh, he got to the last one, and uh, after he went through the last one, he said, oh, I forgot about Micah. What am I going to do with Micah? And one of the ladies in the front row stood up, and she said, Micah can have my seat. I'm going home. And uh, so I, I won't be that long this morning, but I'm just going to talk about Jesus in the row of prophet. Matthew chapter 12. I invite you to stand with me. We'll look at verses 38 through 41. Good to see you this morning. Good to see some guests. Good to see some of our folks, Miss Betty and Miss Catherine and Jean and Dortha and Pat. And See, I'm gonna get in trouble if I start naming some people that haven't been able to be here for a while, but they got their vaccines and uh, we're excited to have them back. And uh, we got to have a friends and neighbor uh, luncheon on Tuesday, got to see some people that we haven't seen for a long time. So I just praise the Lord for that. I'm glad you're here this morning. Matthew 12, 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish... So will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Let's pray. Father, we come today to your word, and, and Lord, we know that we have seen the, the greatest sign ever given. And that was God becoming man, coming to this earth, then dying on a cross, and then being raised from the dead. And Lord, we need no greater sign than that. We know that Jesus was the Messiah. We know that when we turn to Him in repentance and faith, that uh, that we're saved and we're made new. And uh, Lord, I pray this morning that You might speak through Your Word, that we might uh, realize that Your Word is truth. Your Word brings salvation, and so we pray that Your Spirit would teach us today and and uh, do Your work, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. So as we're in this series, turning our eyes upon Jesus, I, I want to be, us to be reminded that Jesus was both divine, he was God, and he became man. And so we got God and human together in Jesus. In this one person, we have two distinct natures, God and man. We call Jesus the God-man. We also know that uh, he occupied three offices, and that is the office of prophet, priest, and king. Uh, And we're going to talk about the fact that he was the greatest prophet, greater than Moses, greater than Elijah, greater than all the prophets. Uh, We're going to talk about the fact that he is our great high priest uh, in the order of Melchizedek, uh, a priest forever who makes intercession for us. Uh, We'll get to that, and then we'll talk about the fact that he's the greatest king ever, greater than David and and all the kings of Israel. But this morning, we'll talk about the fact and consider how Jesus was the greatest prophet— now, when I say prophet, the prophet is someone who reveals God, someone who speaks for God. And, and so the prophet communicates to people the truth that God wants them to know. And so Jesus was not only was he God, but he revealed God and he spoke the things of the Father. So John 12, 49, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who has sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And so, before we jump into to Matthew 12 this morning, let me share a little bit about Jesus as his, in his row as prophet. And first of all, uh, Jesus was the promised prophet. In the Old Testament, Moses, he said this in Deuteronomy eighteen fifteen: The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. Now Moses was a prophet in the sense that that he met with God and God spoke through him, even gave the instructions, the Torah, through Moses. But Moses spoke and said that God is going to raise up a prophet uh, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. And that specific prophecy is quoted by Peter in Acts chapter 3, and it's in reference to Jesus. And Peter says that, God did exactly what Moses said he would do. He raised up a prophet, and Jesus was that promised prophet. When Jesus began his public ministry, Jesus spoke like a prophet. Listen to what Jesus said at the end of John 14, 24. And the words you hear are not mine, but the Father who sent me. So again, a prophet speaks for God. And so in Matthew 13, uh, When Jesus was in his hometown of Nazareth, uh, it says in verse 54, And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him, but Jesus said to them, "A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and in his own household." And so Jesus refers to himself as a prophet. Not only did he did Jesus speak like a prophet, but he was seen as a prophet. There are several instances in the Bible that suggest that many people uh, regarded Jesus as a prophet. Uh, when Jesus raised the the widow's son at Nain, now that's in Luke. Seven sixteen, the witnesses said, "A great prophet has risen among us, uh, and God has visited His people." And so, some people around Jesus thought that He was a prophet. Uh, in Luke chapter twenty four, uh, on the road to Emmaus, this is right after the resurrection, right after the crucifixion. Uh, these two men were talking about Jesus, and and uh, Jesus came on them upon them and, and walked with them. And they didn't recognize him as the risen Lord. And they said in verse 18, one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that happened there in these days? He's talking about the events of the, of the crucifixion. And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word from before God and all the people. Now, if Jesus had not arisen from the dead, we might have thought that he was only a prophet. Uh, But I want us to understand this morning that Jesus wasn't only the promised prophet, but he was the greatest of all prophets. Now, now again, the primary function of a prophet is to speak for God. Well, Jesus did more than speak for God. He was God. Now, he was the very revelation of God. John 1:1. in the beginning was the word. That word is a reference to, to God. Uh, but, but God spoke. You, we speak through our words. And so in the beginning was the word. He was with God. He was God. Verse 14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And John said, We beheld his glory, the glory of the, the one from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so this morning, as we consider Jesus as the greatest prophet Uh, Notice our passage in verse 38. Some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. We want to see a sign. And so a sign was requested. Now, think about this. The scribes and the Pharisees, they asked for a sign, but they'd already seen lots of signs. But they wanted something else. They wanted something more sensational, more exciting, uh, something greater than what he had already done. And Just give us a sign, Jesus. Lots of people uh, are like the scribes and Pharisees. They they say, well, I just need more evidence. And so let's put our seatbelts on this morning. Notice Jesus' response. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign... But no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah, an evil and adulterous generation. Now, why did Jesus say that? Well, he knew that they had already seen him perform miracle after miracle. The lame walked. The blind could see. Demons were cast out. He raised the dead to life. How much more would you need? But they said, give us more signs. And listen, the truth be told, God could have wrote in the sky, this is my son, Jesus Christ. He is the promised Messiah. Believe in him. And I mean, he could have wrote that in the sky, and they would have said, well, we need more evidence. And so Jesus called them out in their wickedness, knowing that their hearts were hardened to who he was. And so, but no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And so a sign was requested, and then we notice that a sign was revealed. What, what kind of sign did Jesus reveal to him? Well, I'm going to call it just the sign of Jonah. Verse 40, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so what's Jesus talking about? Well, what is the sign of Jonah. Well, ultimately, Jesus is referring to his future resurrection. Uh, He is going to be raised from the dead, and he's telling them in advance that it was going to happen. But let me just share a few things about this sign of Jonah. The fact that Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, first of all, it was a a sign of judgment. If we go back to Jonah, we know that the Lord uh, speaks to Jonah in Jonah 1, 1. In verse 2, he says, this is what God says to Jonah. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Assyria was an enemy of Israel. Uh, So Jonah would have heard that and said, "Uh uh-uh, I don't want to go. There are enemies. But God said, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And so God told Jonah to go from uh, from Israel to to Nineveh, that was northeast. And what Jonah does is he goes to Joppa and is going to let's Completely west. So he's going in the opposite direction of where God told him to do, and and uh, we know what happens. God sends this great storm, and and the ship is about to be destroyed. They they throw all their cargo out. They they cast lots to see whose fault it is. The, the lots come upon Jonah. Jonah admits to him, "Hey, it's 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 about me. I'm running from God. I'm disobeying God." And and finally, it, the only remedy was for them to throw Jonah overboard. And so, verse 15, they picked up Jonah, hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. And so they they tried everything else, but ultimately they throw Jonah overboard. Verse 17, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, we might say that Jonah learned his lesson the hard way. And uh, three days inside a great fish. And we should be reminded that there are consequences. There are judgments for our actions and our decisions. When God points us in a direction and we decide to go the other way, then then we should expect some consequences. God is not mocked. God's not blind. And so Jonah was a sign of judgment. Secondly, it was a sign delivered from Someone who had experienced judgment and come back from the dead. Uh, we can read about Jonah's time in the, in the fish in Jonah chapter 2. Jonah prayed to the Lord from the belly of the fish saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. Sheol is the place of the dead. And Jonah cries out uh in the midst of of all this and and so he experienced the judgment of god and listen many commentators think that jonah uh, likely died in the belly of this great fish and god god brought him back to life just as a sign of what he was going to do uh to with jesus i don't know i i'd say that if i was in the belly of a fish i'd rather be dead uh but it really doesn't matter uh Brother Jonah died or not? I, I suspect he looked like death when, when the fish vomited him out, and, and I suspected the people took notice uh, of what Jonah had to say after this experience. What a sign Jonah must have been after being in the belly of that fish for three days. And then thirdly, it was a it was a sign that was delivered to people who were in rebellion. Uh, Jonah, back to Jonah one two, go to Nineveh, that great city. And called out against it for their evil, their wickedness had come before God. And, and so God calls Jonah to go to that wicked people and to deliver this message uh, about their rebellion against God. And, and we know what happens. He, he, he finally goes. And when he gets there, Jonah chapter 3 verse 4, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Listen, these people were not good. They, they were evil people. They, they were not seeking after God uh, their own gratification. And so really the situation in Nineveh was similar to the situation in Jesus' day when he went into Jerusalem preaching. Uh, and, and it's similar, I think, to the, the day that we find ourselves. People are not seeking God. They're seeking their own gratification. And so I think there's some interesting parallels between uh, the sign of Jonah And what I'm going to call the the sign of Jesus. The sign of Jesus is is also a sign of judgment. Uh, Now Jonah experienced punishment and judgment because of his disobedience. God told him to go a place and he went to... So he disobeyed God. But we know Jesus is just the opposite. He was sinless. There was no reason to punish Jesus and yet he would take our punishment. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made right with God. Jesus is the sinless one, and in the plan of God, he made him to become sin. He took upon himself our sin. He took our punishment on the cross. And and so at the cross, we see both the the wrath of God and the love of God. We see the wrath of God because... uh, Sin deserves punishment. And the Bible tells us that over and over. The wages of sin is death. I'll by no means clear the guilty. And so we all know that we're sinners deserving punishment. Punishment had to be paid. God hates sin. We know that. And so something had to be done about our sin. And God decided to take care of our problem himself. And on the cross, Jesus became sin for us. The one who was without sin... And he died the death that we deserve. Now, if we travel back to Calvary, we remember that Jesus is hanging on the cross and and the sky turns dark. And and that time Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know that it was during those moments that Jesus was, was becoming our sin. He was taking our sin upon himself. And in our sin, he experienced the holy wrath of God against sin. And so, not only is the wrath of God demonstrated on the cross, but also the, God's love. God's love is demonstrated. We know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that He sent His Son. We also know 1 John 4, 10, in this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us. He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. We, we, we learned at Christmas what propitiation means. He came to pay our price to appease God's wrath against sin. And so we see all of that displayed on the cross, the, the wrath of God against sin and the love of God for us. And so not only was it a sign of judgment, but it was delivered by one who would experience judgment and come back from the dead. Jesus would experience something similar to Jonah. For, verse 40, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus knew that the ultimate sign, that he was the Messiah, the, the Son of God, would be his resurrection from the dead. First Corinthians fifteen, three and four. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, and on the third day he was raised in accordance with the Scriptures. And so the the point that, that Jesus was making in verse 40 is that just as the fish swallowed up Jonah only to be delivered from death, so the grave would one day swallow him up and he would be delivered from death and the grave. Listen, Jesus conquered death and the grave. And so we say hallelujah for that. Deuteronomy 18 tells us that the test of a true prophet is that what they prophesy must come true. If not, you're not a true prophet. I, as I was working on this this week, uh, uh, I just thought about the fact that a true prophet, everything a true prophet says has to come true. And, and I, I know in, in previous months, uh, some people sent me uh, clips from prophets who said things like, uh, we're sure that, uh, that Donald Trump is going to stay in office. And I'm, not talking about, I'm not trying to get into politics, but we know those aren't true prophets because what they spoke did not take place. And I I just wonder, who's going to call them out for that? More than likely, they're going to have other prophecies. And people are going to believe that stuff too. If what you say doesn't come true, you're not a prophet. And, And by the way, we don't need another prophet. Amen? We have everything we need right here in the Word of God. We need preachers and teachers to proclaim what we have. But God's given us everything we need for life and godliness. And so, listen, we don't need any prophets anymore. And so don't, don't believe that stuff. Amen? Yeah. This is what we need is the very Word of God. And I, I believe that the reason that Jesus is the greatest prophet is not only what he predicted came true through the death and resurrection, but, but he had the power to bring it to pass. And so he could tell you that I'm going to die and be raised again, and, and not only could he tell you, but he could bring it to pass himself. And The last uh, thing in regards to a sign of Jesus. Uh, like Jonah, it was a sign that was delivered to a people who were in rebellion against God. The scribes and the Pharisees denied Jesus. Not only did they deny him as the Messiah, but they conspired to kill him. They didn't see God. and They sought their own gratification. They sought to have their own followers, a little bit like the Ninevites. And, uh, you know, I, I guess the question is, are, are we any better? How, how often do we seek our own gratification more than we seek after God? We live in a me, me, me culture, don't we? And uh, sometimes people come to church to see what the church can offer them. Listen, this morning, as we consider Jesus as the greatest prophet, if you want to hear from God, if you want a sign from God, Here it is, the greatest, strongest, clearest sign that God offers is the resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ. And uh, Jesus is the greatest prophet who ever lived, and the resurrection is the greatest sign ever given. Now you say, why is it the greatest sign? Listen, the resurrection proves the truth of Scriptures. Hundreds of years before Christ came, the Holy Spirit inspired writers to, to write about the coming Messiah, uh, Isaiah said he, he, would, uh, his trans, he would suffer our transgressions against himself. He would be a suffering servant. Uh, by his wounds we'd be healed. All we like sheep had gone astray, and God turned on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah spoke about all that. The psalmist in Psalm 1610 says, For you will not leave my sow in Sheol. That's the place of the dead. You won't leave my, my sow in the grave, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. And we know that Jesus didn't stay in the grave, nor did his body see corruption. No one ever found Jesus' body in the tomb. And the simple reason is it wasn't there. He was raised from the dead and is seated at the right hand of, of his Father in heaven. The second reason that the resurrection was the greatest sign is that the resurrection proclaims that Jesus is God's Son. You know, Jesus proclaimed his death and resurrection at least three times before it happened. The third time... Uh, is in mark ten, thirty four, and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him and the third day he will rise again jesus spoke those words before it happened and it happened exactly as he said only the divine son of god could lay down his life and take it up again and then thirdly the the resurrection provides everlasting life John 11, 25 and 26. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And he asked the question, do you believe this? Let me ask you this morning. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and life? Do you believe that he is the provider of eternal life? The resurrection is the greatest sign ever given and the greatest news ever told. And, and that leads to the last main point. It's just a response is required. But listen, when God sent a, a prophet with a message, they, they, the people had to respond. Now, we know how the people responded to Isaiah and Jeremiah. They ignored them, and, and they ended up in captivity. They ignored the prophet. If you ignored the sign, you'd experience the wrath of God. If you obeyed the, the message, then, then you would experience God's mercy. And so in Jonah 3, when, when Jonah goes to Nineveh, the enemies of God's people, evil people, when Jonah goes there with the message uh, about God's judgment coming upon them, uh, and the message was, again, 40 days from now, uh, Nineveh shall be overthrown. Verse 5 says, the people of Nineveh believe God. How about that? God sends them a prophet and says, judgment's coming. The people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The people of Nineveh repented. And so I just put Nineveh repented and found compassion. And it says in verse 10 that when God saw their their repentance that he relented. When God them what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, he relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Listen, they deserved to be destroyed. And yet, when they repented, they found mercy from God. And so the Ninevites, while they repented and found compassion and mercy from God, listen, Israel, the people in Jesus' day, they rejected the words of Jesus, and they faced condemnation. And so, verse forty-one: the, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Isn't that interesting? That the people, the wicked people of Nineveh, will rise up at the judgment against that generation. And the reason is because they saw the the they, they heard the the preaching of Jonah. They heard the warning, and they repented, and someone greater than Jonah was there. Jesus Christ himself, God in flesh, and yet they would not repent. And then we think about our generation. We, we have even greater evidence. Jesus spoke of his coming resurrection, and let, think about what we have. We know with certainty that Jesus was resurrected. We know at least 20 Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled in the, the the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. We know that the resurrection changes lives. It changed the lives of the disciples. They they were fearful after the the cross and and yet when they saw the resurrected Lord and they were filled with the spirit, they went out and preached and and almost all of them gave their lives preaching the gospel of Jesus and 500 witnesses uh, at least to the to the resurrection and And listen, we know the certainty of the resurrection. The the scribes and the Pharisees, they they didn't need another sign. They needed to believe in what they had already witnessed in the person of Jesus Christ. And let me just say to you this morning, you don't need another sign. We have the Word. We have the, the very Word of God that tells us about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the question comes to us is, how will you respond to the greatest prophet ever? What's your response? Today we have the greatest sign, an empty tomb, a risen Lord. What will be your response to that sign, to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Will you stand with me? We're going to pray and have a, a few moments to respond to God's word this morning. Father, we thank you today that Jesus didn't just speak about a resurrection, but we thank you that that tomb was empty. And Father, we know that Jesus was who he said he was. And I pray that uh, we would hear the warnings of your word to repent from our sins and believe upon Jesus, that we would be more like the Ninevites who hear the warning who repent and believe. Lord, help us with that. And we know that when we respond to your word, that we enjoy your mercy and grace, and, and we don't stand condemned in our sins. And, and so I pray that if there's a person here this morning who is not saved. I, I pray that they'll repent and believe upon Jesus. I pray for that this morning. Lord, we need no greater signs than the sign that Jesus gave when he was raised from the tomb. And I pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Let me ask you a question this morning. If you were to die today, and I I hope none of you do, but do you know for certain that you're going to heaven? Uh, And listen, the only way is through faith in Jesus Christ. He was God. He came to the earth as a man. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross and bore your sin, paid the price for sin. He died, was buried, he raised again, and he offers salvation to those who will repent and believe. If you'll call upon his name, listen, you can be saved. And, and so let me just invite you to respond to Jesus. And, and if you're here this morning and maybe you've said, well, preacher, I just, I just need a little more proof. No, you don't. You don't need any greater sign. Jesus has proven himself true through that empty tomb. We can be certain of the resurrection. And listen, we can be just as certain of a future judgment. Uh, Just as certain as that past resurrection, we can be sure that there's coming a day where we'll stand before God and, and we'll give an account. And so be warned this morning and be invited to come to Jesus and be saved. I invite you to respond. I'd love to talk to you about a relationship with Jesus.
1: Breaking up to a new sunrise Looking back from the other side I can see now with open eyes Darkest water and deepest pain I wouldn't trade it for any my brokenness brought me to you, and these wounds are a story of you, so I'm thankful for the stars, cause without The strength of your faith I can see how you delivered me in your hands in your feet. I found the victory. So I'm thankful for the scars, because without them.
4: thankful for the scars there's a few of you I am amen so good to see you this morning let me remind you this next weekend you got to move the clock up uh, you lose an hour and so don't forget to do that if you do you'll be an hour late next Sunday and uh, we had to come to the if you if you get here late next Sunday we have a 10:45 service and uh, but anyway uh, that's that's next Saturday night Sunday morning and uh, Anyway, glad to see you this morning. Got a couple baptisms at our 1045 service. Sarah and Amy Webb, and then Ken is going to get baptized next Sunday. He's going to do the 1045 service because he's got some family coming. Uh, So uh, that that 1045 service is getting really excited with with baptisms. Uh, But thank you for being here. Our children start back this Wednesday night. Really excited for that, 7 o'clock in the activity center. Our women's studies started back. Our men will start back next Sunday morning. Uh, one last opportunity for you to get into one of those men discipleship groups. Uh, let Brad know today, uh, if you haven't signed up yet, and our deacons will dismiss from the back to the front. Thank you uh, for being here this morning. Danny, if you'll close us. I always
0: like moving the clock forward because that means spring's here. That's like my, that's the signal for me that spring is here, so I'm excited about that. Um, just like always, Dollar Club, the clear boxes on your way out, and then the offering boxes are the uh, black boxes marked offering. So let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to come into your house, Lord. We just thank you for the sunshine we've had the last couple of days, Lord. We just uh, we just thank you for your son, Jesus, and what he means to us, Lord. Thank you for the growth that we are experiencing in this church, Lord, and help us to just be responsible with these discipleship programs for the men and the women, Lord. And, and we just, again, thank you for those who are, who are praying about that and who are getting involved in that and those that are organizing that. Lord, thank you for Harold's message this morning. It's, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.